Welcome to Forward with NACI, Inspiring Entrepreneurial Action, a podcast that shares the stories of everyday entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial leaders, and the communities that support us. We hope that this diverse collection of stories brings you inspiration, inspires you to take action, and ignites entrepreneurship in your community as we make our way forward together. Welcome to this episode of Forward with NACI. We have a special guest coming to us today from Cary's National Headquarters, city of Cary, North Carolina. Uh, her name is Cary High C. So she is smiling at me uh, through the camera, and we're really excited also to be celebrating Women's Entrepreneurship Week. So, Cary, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, both uh, Natalia, our producer, and some of other staff have looked at your website, have experienced your products. So I appreciate you making time for us today. And as we get started, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about you. You know, what's your background? Uh, what is something that that has inspired you to be on the path of, of becoming a successful woman entrepreneur? Well, first of all, thank you for sharing your platform with women and men like me who are trying to make positive impact in the world. And um, Design for Joy is a 501c3. We're four years old. Um, it came to um, me um, after 10 years of building my own small businesses and also doing a lot of international mission work. So we've been a, a, invited around the world to go and inspire and encourage artisan groups Um and really, we come back even more inspired, right? They inspire us. That's, that's wonderful. Tell us, um, Carrie, a little bit about, you know, I'm, I'm really intrigued about the mission work. Maybe talk about some of the, the communities around the world that, that, you're, that you have been in and engaged in. And, and what has that experience been like for you? Yeah, well, I'm most comfortable talking about some connections that we have in Central America, so Belize and Costa Rica, and women who are um, providing living wage work um, for women to be able to provide for themselves and for their children. I mean, I feel like living wage work is the most sustainable way to help. Um, it took me several years to kind of figure out how I was going to do that in my life. Um, when I was um, on a specific trip in Rwanda, it wasn't a mission trip as much as it was an entrepreneurial retreat. And we were working with a woman who was taking 30 women off the streets and creating quality product and selling it here in the United States and in Rwanda. And I just needed to see it and ex experience it in a different way. And I knew that we, the women in Raleigh had the same vulnerabilities. So we came home and in two months, we were a registered 501c3 and we started hiring women. My co-founder is our director, our creative director. So she has the know-how how to make gorgeous leather bags and jewelry. And um, my side of the business is, is really the business and marketing, communication and gathering people. That is amazing, Carrie. And, you know, as you're talking about, you know, Rwanda too, we, we talk a lot in this program and the work that we do, um, NACI is also a 501c3. We are an educational association. So our leverage point is really if we can empower faculty to become more inclusive, more entrepreneurial um, teachers in the classroom and college presidents to be more entrepreneurial and inclusive in the way they lead their institutions, we can have a great impact. So um, we share sort of that in common too, which which is great and really a spirit of of social entrepreneurship. So we've talked about that before, and 
it strikes me um, too with the, the history of Rwanda and really some of the horrific things that have happened and also that spirit of forgiveness and healing. I, I'm sure you've watched those documentaries um, and know about that. Did, did you want to comment a little bit about that? I mean, being over there, what was what was it like to be among the people there? For sure. So, you know, the friends that we have there are a little younger than me. They're in their 30s and they remember this time of civil unrest. And you're right in that it is a country that has a story of forgiveness and unity and healing that um, probably a lot of Americans can learn from, but also everyone around the world. And um, yeah, I think that inspires me every day. Yeah. And that's really, I think, you know, getting into the the name of your organization. So, so I, I, tell us what that is again, so that people who are listening that may not be driving, maybe they're they're in their office, they might want to check out your website. So, so tell us again the name of your nonprofit and and how people can find it. Yeah, it's designed with an ed for f o r joy dot com. Got it. Okay, designed for joy dot com. And so you mentioned the leather bag. So you got me, you've got my attention there. <laughs> so, so tell us, um, like describe, you know, a word picture of some of the products that you have and maybe some of the, the best sellers, things that people like, and how do you really make sure that you're um, providing things that are unique um, in addition to power, empowering women, but satisfying customers? Well, sure. The jewelry and gorgeous leather handbags make a very easy entry level discussion about our mission. Um, my co-founder, Kristen Sido, she went to the Fashion Institute of Technology. She knows textiles. So she teaches our women how to create these gorgeous leather bags and jewelry. And we make amazing charcuterie boards. Um, not only are the pro- finished products um, beautiful um, and provide living wage work, um, they're also in many ways sustainable, but we're also very careful with our sourcing. So all of our smooth leather comes from American um, tanneries. The ones that we use outside of the country, we have contracts with them that they're very transparent with their the way they treat their employees. So it's not just the finished product that we're worried about here, downtown Raleigh. We're thinking about how is this going to impact people around the world? That's great. Really sustainable, responsible, and sounds like what you're doing is really impacting great change, but you're also, you know, like you said, spreading joy because it makes you feel joyful if you can buy something for yourself or for someone else as a gift and and make that kind of an impact. Now, I know we talk a lot on this program and internally about how obviously challenging the pandemic has been. Um, I mentioned to you before the podcast, among other things, was a project that we really leaned into and we were excited about. It's one of our great accomplishments for the last two years. So tell us a little bit about how you had to pivot, not only your business, but, you know, did you find like your, your sales changed during the pandemic and how did you respond to that as a, as a leader? Our community did not just get us through COVID, they pushed us through COVID. So in 2020, we actually did $100,000 over 2019 in product sales alone. Oh, wonderful. We recently moved this past summer from a 1,400 square foot studio to a 5,000 square foot studio. And 
So to date, we've hired, um, well, going into 2022, we had hired 68 women. We've hired five cents in the new year, and they have earned nearly $200,000 in living wages through Design for Joy. This next phase, this new studio and having everyone in the right place, and we've scaled it, we're going to be able to do double the impact in the next few years that we've done in the first four years. Um, one, I mean, yes, we can talk about the business side. I mean, obviously, we went to our website and we made that more user friendly for shoppers. And um, we did live sales. We offered, um, you know, um, local pickup with an outside pop up shop. We did all of those things that other businesses did. But what um, I'm most proud of is we work with um, the Women's Center here in downtown Raleigh. They offer resources for women who are experiencing homelessness. And what we were able to do with them is create a day work program. So for women who were really needing survival funds, they would come in, they would work on one specific product, we would feed them, um, we would love them all day, of course, and then we pay them cash at the end of the day. So this was a, this was a way for us to um, make a wider reach during such a difficult time for so many people. And for some women, that was a hotel room or medicine or a bus ticket. Um, but it's just a really intimate way that we're making an impact with our other nonprofit friends. I, you know, I love, well, I love how you talked about really loving and caring for people. And that is, is, is really transformative. And, and just, it just makes me feel good to hear, hear that. Now, I guess one thing, it might be a little more difficult to talk about, but I think it's important for people to be aware is your mission is really to help people um, have an off-ramp to the trafficking issue. So for those people who may not be familiar with that, you know, how pervasive a problem is that? Um, how might we know if, you know, we're in an airport or something like that, you know, tell us how we can become more aware and if there are things that we can do um, to help in a positive way. Sure. So we do hire women who are emerging from trafficking or homelessness, time in prison, refugees, other really vulnerable situations in crisis. Um, trafficking, well, our state of North Carolina is always top 10 in trafficking. We have um, I-95 that runs down the length of our state. Um, but, you know, I think we're all becoming better uh, informed about what trafficking actually looks like. We know now it's a neighbor or it's someone's close to us in our circles. And we also understand better that it's not about um, kidnapping uh children or adults. It's about this grooming process. It's a much more intricate um, cycle that, um, that, that goes on in that trafficking um, space. Um, and, you know, there's levels of ways that we can help. So there's this awareness, which is the prevention, and there's rescue, which really requires trained individuals to work with local government to, to do it in a healthy way. And then there's this restoration part, and we get to be a part of the restoration. You know, that's just incredible. I did not know that about the state of North Carolina. It's, it's horrifying, actually. Um, but I, you know, I think the way that you're bringing awareness to it is is really that lifestyle change. And, and I think, too, uh, you know, a lot of community colleges around the country do a lot of work with with reentry. And a lot of it, you know, one of our college members out in Arizona that's part of the Maricopa Community College System, they actually won a pitch competition and it was geared toward um, women in the skilled trades and, and those who were who were incarcerated, but they wanted to be released, obviously to be reunited with their children. But in order for that to be a long-term solution, they've got to have some skills. So 
I think what's exciting is as hard as it is to really think about that is, is to think about how you change people's lives. And it sounds like it is a process. So could you share with us a story maybe of, without obviously telling us their name, of a woman who kind of came to you and what the experience uh, was like and maybe how they kind of got to the other side of, of, you know, having a more hopeful, supportive life? Yes, well, we do have plenty of stories. We do hear really difficult things in our space, but we also always feel and see a lot of hope. Um, one of the women um, who was referred to us by um, a local organization came from a life of isolation. She was actually a traf- she's a trafficking survivor. Um, when she came into our space for work, um, she'll even admit she wasn't really easy to work with. She found it very difficult to be in this space with other women specifically, because that's who we serve. And, you know, there was a level of conflict and um, sometimes rub people the wrong ways. But, you know, our leadership gets trauma training and we are aware that there's sometimes like conflict in the space, like any workspace. It's just that the women that we serve are at this level of trauma that we need to be ultra sensitive to. And, and ultimately she Uh, Worked through Design for Joy. She found full-time work in the construction company. She now owns her own home. Um, She came by recently to buy something for a gift, and she brought her new puppy. And we got to celebrate this new puppy with her. And that sounds um, maybe small, but to really be responsible for this other like living being and have the funds and the love to share with it is, it is a really big thing to celebrate in her world. And so we get to be in lots of parts of lots of great stories, women getting housing after being homeless with their children or getting their GED or going to Wake Tech. We have a 22 year old Syrian refugee who's now um, taking classes at Wake Tech and we get to be a part of that. That's awesome. We love Wake Tech. We actually leased space at Wake Tech. So we feel like we are maybe not part of the core family, but we're the extended family. We love the work that we do. In fact, our space, um, we see a lot of ESL classes and sometimes students will wander into our space and we get to, well, safely interact with them. (laughs) The pandemic has changed it a bit. But what was interesting that you talked about a puppy and I'm an animal lover. We also have my family adopted a pandemic puppy. So it was one of the, the things that brought a lot of joy into our, our lives. But I was reminded of a friend that I had years ago when I was in school, uh, graduate school. He was a DEA agent and he went like deep undercover and they're trying like this, it's like a very dark place um, to be. And, and he shared a story with me one time, like all he would do is just go to work and go home. He didn't take care of himself. He didn't even have dishes in in, the, in um, his apartment. So the best thing he ever did was to um, adopt a, a dog. So it, it gave him sort of that unconditional love that allowed him to sort of re-enter um, society and really bond with another being while it wasn't a, you know, a person. But then later on, you know, he got some help and support and then now is, is married and has a um, middle school age son. So I, I think what I hear you say, Carrie, it's like holistically, it's the whole thing. And and one thing I'd love for you to talk about, maybe give us a couple tips, because all of us have to deal with office conflict. I'm one who loves harmony. So it's, it's, it's something that I struggle with when people aren't getting along is how do you make it better and not worse? So maybe give us a couple tips that maybe work in your world that perhaps we could apply to our work settings if we want to really address, you know, people that aren't getting along or maybe people are suffering from, uh, you know, post-traumatic 
stress of some sort that we're not aware of. Um, so anybody who's listening can jot these down. I'm going to write it down too and try to apply it this week. Well, um, the greatest joy that I have is when I hear women saying in our space that she's learning to trust other women again. So imagine that you're someone coming from the sex industry and women are your competition. And there's this level of fear in and this hierarchy in this world, and no one's for you or encouraging you. So for a lot of the women in our studio, this is the first time she's had other women speak like good things about her out loud. And so um, that's like the biggest reward. And regarding like conflict, we certainly discuss and we coach our leadership all the time. I think um, when you can start feeling um, emotions start to rise, being able to recognize that and knowing what action steps to take. And it depends on the person. Do they need to go outside and take a breath? Um, do they need to um, just go get a, a, a cold cup of water to cool down? And just kind of knowing what our triggers are. For some of our women, like having men come in the store, whether it be to shop or whether it be to um do some electrical work. Like these are triggers that we have learned for our women and they can address them before things get tense. And we need the support. So we have a couple of therapist friends and nonprofit um, leaders who will come in and do the trauma training for our leadership to just help us even be better aware of addressing these issues and preventing them as well. Oh, wow. That's great. It sounds like you become better at sort of diffusing situations. And I've always thought about that too. Sometimes if something is bothering me and I kind of carry it around, it's, it, you have to address it. And you, sometimes if somebody is very upset, that's not the moment to do it, but trying to sort of lead with compassion, it sounds like, but have, you know, direct, you know, kind, but firm conversations about people. And, and that's how you build and rebuild trust. And I imagine that takes a a while, but it's it's really sort of the culture that you that you've established um, to do that. So I'm excited to to learn more about your work and and how we might support it. I I'm hoping that um, I can make it into your store uh, to to see it and and to meet you and really to be supportive of what you're doing. Um, but as we kind of wind to a close, I'd love for you to um, talk with us a little bit about, because, you know, with me, you know, joy is a very important thing. It's something you have to cultivate in your life. What do you feel joyful about uh, the most uh, this year as you, you know, things still are not resolved, obviously, with the pandemic. We, we have a litany of issues that are is affecting our country. But tell us even beyond the work that you're doing, when you look sort of, you know, into society, what are the things that give you great hope? Well, my, I have two teenagers and they're out of that icky teen, tween teen phase and they are starting to come into their own. And, you know, we have a level of friendship and they push me every day to be more inclusive, to look at equity differently. And um, I feel a ton of hope when I see my children and how they're interacting with the world. That is wonderful. And I have two children too. And I, I was talking with somebody about that the other day. I'm, I'm just, that is the greatest blessing in life, even through the challenging times. So, <laughs> you know, that, that they teach us, right. They're our greatest teachers, even um, at times when we're not really wanting to learn those lessons, we do that. So Carrie, I'm so excited about the conversation that we had, and I really encourage people to um, visit your website. Where is your store located in Raleigh? We do have a good number of listeners in the area that might want to stop by. 
Yeah, we're in the warehouse district now. We're on uh, 517 West Cabarrus Street across from the old train station. And um, yeah, we're super excited to be back downtown in the heart of Raleigh. That's great. Now, are you involved with the Raleigh Chamber or are there other nonprofits that, that you get engaged with? Well, we have tons of nonprofit friends. We have referring partners. We have mentors through them. And um, we are connected to the chamber in that um, we are one of Leadership Raleigh's um, nonprofit groups. Awesome. Oh, that's wonderful. I serve on the board of the Cary Chamber, and I, I love those people, and I love that work. And it's on our list to get more involved with the Raleigh Chamber, and I'm, I'm really happy that they were smart enough to connect with you. So thank you, Carrie. Thank you, everyone who's listening today. And um, as you go about your day, think about what you can do to, to not only sort of follow Carrie's example, but really to make the world a better place. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you will continue to explore the many ways to define entrepreneurship with NACI as we celebrate opportunity, failing forward, and success, learning from one another along the way. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform and follow at NACI on social media and learn more about us at NACI.com forward slash podcast. Stay tuned for a new episode each week. We look forward to making our way forward together with you. Have you heard about our latest book, Impact Ed, How Community College Entrepreneurship Creates Equity and Prosperity? This is our roadmap for building back better in 50 states and globally. In each chapter, we share the inspiring stories of everyday entrepreneurs and explain how community colleges play a crucial role in their success. Visit us at nacy.com forward slash impact ed to order your copy now and join us in this work. Are you curious about what's coming up next in the NACI community? Join us on the second Wednesday of every month at 12 p.m. Eastern to set yourself up to be productive and impactful with NACI by your side. We'll share about events, ways to get involved, and we'll have an open conversation featuring questions you're asking or problems you're facing. So join us on the second Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern for Up Next with NACI. More information at nacy.com slash upnext. Have you heard the exciting news? NACI recently released a new publication titled The NACI Playbook, Volume 1, all about how entrepreneurial mindset sets the new standard for success in communities and colleges. The NACI Playbook digs into entrepreneurial mindset and how practicing leadership with this framework creates an agile culture with space to innovate, co-create, fail forward, and accelerate growth. Entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial leadership require us to lean in, anticipate and recognize trends, manage change, be resilient, take risks, reflect, and rest in the knowledge that anything is possible. Learn from our innovative, insightful, generous network who navigates both challenges and opportunities entrepreneurially as we share what we've learned and how you might apply their experience to your work. We hope you'll be as inspired as we were. Learn more at www.nacyplaybook.com.